for our sin of omission and commission. Father, we thank you for repairing our heart and mind right now to receive your rhema word on this morning. I'm covering myself and the listeners, family member with the blood of Jesus, that we will not get any backlashes from this prayer. Father, continue to guide, bless, and lead the overseer of this vision. Keep him in the palm of your hand. Give him favor with everyone he needs favor with, also his family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Today, what I'm going to do is like in the beginning, I want to keep this line open so you can actually, uh, you know, laugh and smile uh, because today is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to everyone. Um, What I wanted to do is like uh, actually uh, I was going on a trail to look for what other children are saying about their moms. Right, mm-hmm. and uh, what they have been tweeting, uh, and so here there's one guy who says like uh, you know her mom just like uh, you know one day came home, sprained her leg and she's not able to move, and the boy said Mama don't worry about it, you know any of those things let me carry you closer to the stove so you can cook. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Another one says, you know, this is what my mom tells every time. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, Laura. Floridiza says, eat your food. There are starving people in other countries. (laughs) That's right. It is. Yes, it is. Stephanie says, slam that door one more time. I'm taking it off. (laughs) And it will, too. (laughs) And another one says, my mom taught me about the cycle of of life, cycle of life. I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. (laughs) Hell yeah. Amen. <laughs> you know, and uh, Greg Crushell says, I'm going to count. This is what uh, her, his mom says. I'm going to count one, two, three. <laughs> uh, and, uh, another one says, after arguing with my older sister over something pointless, my mom said, I now understand why some animals eat their young ones. <laughs> And another one says, if you fall out of that tree and break both your legs, don't come running to me. (laughs) Uh, Another one told her mom on her 30th birthday, um, I expected a boyfriend and a new car for my birthday. And my mom sent a Ken doll and a Hot Wheels. One of them says, you know, uh, mom, don't leave me here. Uh, what if they kidnap me? And the mom said, don't worry, they will bring it back to me. <laughs> Uh, uh, 
And one of the moms said to her daughter, your dad may be the head of the family, but I'm the neck who controls how he turns. (laughs) 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 And one time we were driving, going through the drive-thru, and uh, my mom said, can I have a pickle with the extra cheeseburgers? And uh, here's another boy says, uh, when he came home and asked his mom, what's, your, what's for dinner? The mom said, I don't know. I'm not going to make all your decisions. <laughs> <laughs> and one of those girls said, stop making that face. It will stay that way forever. <laughs> and the mom said, uh, a message. Did you see my message on Facebook, text, Twitter, and email? I trade them all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the list goes on and on. Uh-huh. But I saw like a nearly hundred of these kind of tweets that uh-huh. the children said about their moms, you know. Today morning, as we go into message, I thought it would be fun to just okay. like uh, listen to all these moms. I'm going to put ourselves on mute. <laughs> the conference has been muted. As we honor the mothers today, I wanted to, you know, today take time not only to talk about, you know, some of the moms and the lessons we can learn from them in the Bible, but it applies to everybody. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're a, uh, a husband or a, uh, a man or a uh, you know, son. You know, some of the characteristics that the moms bring are so valuable for everyone in the kingdom to have. <clears throat> I know we were in the middle of uh, the new heavens and new earth. And uh, even though I went on this trail to get to the new Jerusalem this week, I said, like, let me put that aside. We will come back to the New Jerusalem next week. <clears throat> but in turn, in turn, like, take and talk about, like, the characteristics of mom. And uh, one of the things that I just saw, the reason why, like, uh, people celebrate the Mother's Day <clears throat> that was started by President Woodrow Wilson uh, on May the 8th, of 1914, uh, it was uh, declared the second Sunday in May as a special day to honor the the mothers across this nation, especially the ones, this is the reason why the Mother's Day was started, especially the ones who had lost their sons in the war during that time, and they just wanted to comfort these moms. That's how it got started, and later... Um, it, it was all actually also instigated by this uh, girl named Anna Marie Jarvis. Um, uh, and the very first Mother's Day actually started in a church, a Methodist Episcopal church. Uh, and uh, the thing is, all good things actually starts from the church, and then only the world picks it up, right? And so I was look, uh, looking at like, a, you know, what are some of the characteristics of mother other than giving a, a, a birth, like a labor of birth? But 
when we look at what the mothers do, the motherhood, that, that what she does to comfort the children, what she does to nurture them, what she does to gather them together, what she does to guide them, all these characteristics are the expressions of God himself. That, that, that um, everybody talks about like this, uh, um, people that were fed with, uh, uh, you know, the fish and the bread to 5,000 people. There would have been a mama out there that particular day packed a lunch for her son who's just like going out to work, right? And so the mothers do a lot of these things for their children, and the Bible talks very highly of several of these mothers that uh, um, from Sarah, Abraham's wife, to Rebecca, uh, Isaac's wife, uh, Abraham's daughter-in-law, and how she was able to uh, put water for those camels who came 500 miles to see, uh, looking for a, a daughter-in-law for Abraham, to Jacobed, who is the mother of Moses, who sa- and uh, Aaron and Miriam, who saved the son by just putting him under that, uh, you know, bush. Uh, uh, to Hannah that we are going to talk about today, the mother of uh, Prophet Samuel, and what she did to Bathsheba, in spite of all the things that has happened, she stayed loyal to David and uh, also raised Solomon uh, to Elizabeth, uh, John the Baptist's mom, who, who just like never gave up and was constantly fighting to Mary, mother of Jesus. So across the Bible, there are so many characters, the mothers that we have seen from, you know, Rachel, uh, who just like gave birth to Joseph to um, even uh, uh, the, the woman uh, that uh, saved the spies uh, in, in, in the time when, you know, they could have been killed in Jericho to all the way to, uh, you know, we see the moms that Solomon represents in his story about like a, a, a judgment that he passed on. There's so many women, Shunammite women, that was fighting for her son. All these women could just like a lead us into days and days to talk about what the mothers have contributed to the kingdom. But today morning, I want to look at just the two mothers. If possible, we will touch the third one. We'll talk about Hannah, which is very normal uh, during this uh, Mother's Day sermons, I've seen like so many pastors talk about uh, Hannah, and I, I see why that it is like a really an amazing uh, character uh, that just represents all the moms. But also, we're going to look at Rispa, uh, another woman, uh, and what she did uh, in, in the in the time that she had issues that she was facing, and. Uh, um, if time permits, we will go into talking about uh, the widow whose son, uh, you know, at the funeral, Jesus, how he turned that around and raised her son and why. We'll, we'll, if, if the third one is not happening today, I will send it to you in an email so you will have it. If you have your Bible, 
Can you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1? 1 Samuel chapter 1. And it's talking about uh, a man named Elkanah and his two wives, Penina and Hannah. There was a certain man from Ramathian, Ramathian, a Zulfite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, and Ephraimite. He had two wives, one called Hannah and the other Penina. And Penina had children. And uh, but the Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went from his hometown to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hopini and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came, uh, whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife, Penina, and all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb because the Lord has had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, uh, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. 
I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace. May the Lord, may the God of Israel, grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast or sad. Early the next morning, they rose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their homes. A drama. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. And so, in course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son named Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Praise the Lord. In the time when this was written, and I think this applies even today, that that the mothers would just like long to have babies. There are so many of these characters across the Bible, they never had a baby. Uh, and they, they have always, the ones that did not have baby, were not actually put down or, or they tried as much as they, their difficulty is. They actually worked their way up. Why? Because just as the Psalm 127 says, children are the heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. All along that the Bible in the Old Testament has somehow just like, you know, put this um, stress of having more children is equated to the blessedness while that not having a child was considered as a curse. In in so much so that when Moses wrote all the different kinds of laws the, the, in the days of Moses or the days after Moses when these priests were rewriting some of these things or interpreting some of these things, they have even made a, a, a proclamation that if a, if a husband and wife does not have a child for 10 years after their marriage, then the husband can legally divorce his wife and get married to another woman. And that's probably what happened to Hannah because Hannah was the first wife and probably she didn't have a baby for well over 10 years. And because of this, he had the right to get like a married to another woman. It is all very imperative. I mean, we, we can only you know, source all these information based on these various texts that we can find because there is no indication of like how many years that they were married and not have children and so on. But the fact that he's respected, the fact that he's going to the temple, the fact that he's not excommunicated having two wives is just an indication that he went through the process of just, you know, getting married uh, legally. Now, the, the fact that today we are going to do three characteristics of Hannah and how we can apply to our lives today. And then 
One of those characteristics that we're going to see is from Rispa. We'll get to her in a, in a moment. So the first thing that I want to talk about is that the situation that Hannah was going through was really rough. In fact, the Bible says twice that, her, that God has closed her womb. So it's one thing to fight with the society. It's one thing to fight with your husband. It's one thing to fight with your neighbors or your children. But what will we do? What will we do? When God closes a door for us, that's what happened to her. The Bible's twice saying he just like a closed her womb. Even in the midst of all the difficulty that she was going through, right? Hannah stayed committed to her family. In fact, she must have been so pleasing to her husband that the Bible says in verse 5 of the first chapter of 1 Samuel, it says that Hannah, when, he, when it came to Hannah, her husband gave a double portion because he loved her. She never showed. I mean, there is certain characteristics of, of this woman is just like a scene across like many, many characters that, that just like a pleases God pleases the men around, pleases the women around. We see the same characteristic in the life of Daniel. We see the same characteristics. When people are pleasant to one another, they get like attracted by others. That's probably one of the biggest strengths of Hannah. She never was like very upset. I've seen so many of these women or, or mothers in my life where I see them, how pleasant they are when they're talking, even though there are so many things that could be going in their own life, they would never show that out on people, right? And, and we will see why, but the number one thing that we will look at today is Hannah's investment on her family. She never walked away from the family. In fact, when Billy Graham's wife, Dr. Uh, Dr. Graham's wife, Ruth Graham, was asked, you have seen Billy Graham go so many times out of this house, leaving you with all these children, and he comes back and he goes again, leaving you again. And this was asked by Laura Bush, and she asked Ruth Graham, have you ever considered divorce? And Ruth Graham said, divorce? No. Murder? Yes. Right? So here, the thing is this, that the women have always kept the family together in spite of all the difficulties. I see this constantly all over India, that these women keep all their families together, tight-knit, right? And so... Even when Penina, the other woman who had sons and daughters, we don't know how many sons and daughters that she had, and she was constantly provoking her, reminding her how she is not capable of being a mother, Hannah never retaliated. Hannah was heartbroken, but never gave up on her family, 
never abandoned the family, never abandoned the calling that she had. Year after year, when Penina was rubbing on her face, she would never just take herself off of that picture. She stayed close to the family. Marriage is not easy, especially these days. With so much of temptation, so much of uh, opportunities and options available, it is not easy for for a husband and wife to stay together unless they're committed to their family, unless they're invested in the family. There are tensions. There are unresolved conflicts. There are things that happen in our families, but as long as the woman, the, uh, the wife, the, the, as long as the mother knows that the, the separation of family is going to hurt this family and she keeps her husband from, from just like a, making a drastic decision and just like a keeping her family together. It's just a very rare quality to find these days. With well over 48 to 52% in this country ready to give up even over small stuff like not putting the the uh, the toilet seat down with uh, not putting like a, like a snoring in the night or all kinds of reasons that women are giving to just like a give up on their marriage but when we look at the life of Hannah can you imagine how much pressure and tension that she would have gone not only within the house outside the house it is really easy to give up. But God is showing up an example to Hannah. It is not, you know, that easy. It is not that okay to give up on your marriage. It is not okay to give up on your sons and daughters. It is not okay to give up on dreams. So many times people ask me, you know, how do you handle, like, a, you know, have you ever, uh, with the Proverbs 2 to 6, with so many issues that are going around, have you ever considered quitting Proverbs 2 to 6, right? And the answer is absolutely no, because this is a calling. Your marriage is a calling. Staying with your children is a calling. There are times there are abusive husbands out there, abusive wives out there. There are extreme situations, but really, most of like the reasons why the women are not are separating or men are separating from their marriages is just like so lightweighted. There's no need. There are things that can be worked up. The reason why. I strongly believe also this morning that many of these families that are staying together is because of the moms investing in their homes. When we go to prisons and and look at these long lines of people standing outside, whether it is sun, rain, or cold, the heat for hours, those are the moms who never want to give up on their children. Even when, when the wife leaves, the moms still take care of these children. 
couple of years ago, we had a chance to do this, uh, like a dancing with the moms inside uh, one of the facilities. And uh, the moms were just like uh, not realizing what's going to happen, walked into that room while their sons got on their knees and washed their mother's feet. And there was this one mother that I saw. She was like at least 85 or older, right? And at the end of the day, she was just like so relieved by seeing her son and touching him and listening to his guitar playing. After 10 years, she was showing up in that prison to see her son. She told me, Phil, if only I am alive when, when he comes home, I will cook him grits and gravy the, the Sunday mornings. This is her commitment. She says that in spite of everything that has happened, I have a room in my heart for my son. I will do everything to keep the family together. There's so many good mothers in this nation that would do anything to keep their family together, that would do anything to keep their, their sons and daughters together in spite of everything that goes on in their own life. I was just like uh, listening to Kevin Durant. Uh, in 2014, he was given uh, an award called NBA's Most Valuable Player, NBA's MVP, right? And I was listening to this in uh, the, 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 the video clipping as well as a, a write-up from Washington Post. It's talking about his acceptance speech and in which he's thanking everybody, his teammates, and he was thanking his uh, uh, other players and everything. But then at the very end, he just like a paused. And from the stage, he looked at his mother, Wanda Pratt, and he thanked her. And she said, he said like a Pratt, a single parent who raised him and his brother in the Prince George's County in Maryland is the real MVP. And this is the exact quote from Kevin Durant on that day. He said, we weren't supposed to be here. You made us believe. You kept us off the streets. You put clothes on our back. You put food on the table. You, when you didn't eat, you made sure we ate and you went to sleep hungry. You sacrificed all for us. You are the real MVP. When the mothers take care of their children, the children will see the sacrifices of the mom. The children will know exactly what the mother has done. You may not even know or see what you have done must have been a small thing, but the children love to see how their mother reacted to the situation. Children would love to learn from the mother what she's doing when the going gets tough. I saw an interview with the girls asking, they were asking these girls, who is their role model? Many of them, many of them said it is their moms and their grandmothers. And one of the girls said, like, my mom knows how to cook dinner even when there is nothing at home, right? 
the children see the sacrifices of the mom. What Hannah endured his humility uh, and, and all these things, she never gave up on her family. That's what mothers do. The second thing that I saw in Hannah's life is that she was investing her life in prayer. The one thing that's just like, you know, the mothers do that holds their family together is their oneness with God. The only reason why ministries like Proverbs 2 to 6 survive and thrive is because of a mom that is out there crying out to God and saying, God, I have done everything that I can. I've done everything that I can. I cannot do anymore. I don't know what to do. And God is listening to the cries of these mothers and grandmothers. And she knows here that Hannah knows her only weapon that she has in her hand that she is going to use right now is when they were in the middle of their dinner, she got up from her seat and she went to the temple. And she knows the only one that can save her at this time and put the enemy to rest is her relationship with God. Psalm Psalm 37 says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the works of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut off like grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shall thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. And she knows this verse so well, because even in the midst of all the turmoil that she was going through, she knew that her vehicle that she can use to get God to bless her is to go back to him. That's why the Bible says in verse 13, Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved. Her voice were not heard. Verse 10 says, In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. There are times we are are not able to pray. I don't know whether you have been there, but the thing is, those are the the moments that you're praying where you're not like asking for a golf club that's broken or a friend's friend's friend got like a bad day or a sprained ankle or a wrist is bothering you. None of those things. This is something, this is a problem that you have done everything that you can. And Sometimes you are not even able to share this with someone. It is just like a, you, it's just like a making even your saliva go through your throat. It's really hard. And, and you have to keep smiling so that you don't cry in front of people. I'm talking about like a, when you have to show up at work and your heart is still crying inside, and only you and God knows about that situation. And she is praying 
and her lips are moving, but the words are not coming out. In fact, even the priest, Eli, is just like a criticizing her, saying, are you drunk, lady? When will you give up your drunkness? Right? And she says, no, 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 I'm not drunk. I'm not like those women who just come to the, the temple drunk. But she was arguing her case, not just with God, but with also the people inside the church. She had to prove herself. This is like sometimes when you're praying for something, even the people who say that are godly don't understand because they are trying to make everything spiritual and you don't know how to handle And those are the moments that I'm talking about. You and God, those are the only two people who knows exactly what is going on. And that's where Hannah was. And the Bible says, after she just like I gave up before before that priest and before God. In verse 18, it says she got up after she prayed, after she dropped all her burden in God's hand. She knew at that point in time she can walk away in peace. There are so many times when we ask God for prayer and we drop everything, we somehow carry that back try to help God and see if we can give God the get-out-of-jail pass. But here Hannah is proving herself that I have done everything that I can and I've left it with God. Now it's between God and my problem. I'm not going to go touch that. One of the biggest lessons from Hannah's life is this. It's not that she was praying. We've even seen so many people pray. The lesson that we learn from Hannah is that once you give it to God, let God handle your problem and my problem. Let's not take that problem back again from the hands of God and try to solve it. That puts so much of stress over the problem that we are trying to solve. And Hannah was leaving that to God. The third characteristic that I saw with Hannah is that she was not only investing on her family, she was not only was investing on prayer, but she was also investing back into the kingdom of God. A lot of times here, the verse 13, 11 says like uh, when she prayed to God, she was very direct with God. She was saying, God, would you see my affliction? Because in those days, it was seen as an affliction. It was seen as a curse. She was saying, God, are you seeing my curse right now? You closed my womb. I just cannot take it. But in the midst of her affliction, she says, I will give my son back to the kingdom. She was investing her son that was waited so long back to the kingdom. You and I need to invest on our children to give them back to the church because these days it is not a popular thing 
to talk about Christ to our children. It is not a popular thing to tell our children to come to church with us. It is not a popular thing to tell our children to read the Word of God. It is not the popular thing to put our children next to someone who knows the Lord as the Savior. But here, in the midst of all these things, she is saying, God, when you give me a son, I will happily give him back to you. Then why was she crying? Why was she making a big deal? If all she's going to do is give it back to the Lord, all Hannah wanted was remove the curse from her life. Remove the burden of barrenness. Remove the things that people were just like a taking shot at her. Hannah wanted a dignity to be restored into her motherhood. And that's what the moms would do. But here she was giving back happily what she was crying out to God for. Because Hannah was investing back into the kingdom, every single one of the characters, the mothers in the Bible, when they gave back to the Lord, the Lord just took what was given to him and he multiplied. The fish and the bread, he multiplied. The son that, the, the, that this woman is giving to the Lord becomes the prophet, the very first prophet. Samuel comes into the picture of this nation. He becomes the, the one who would anoint the very first king of Israel, Saul. He then gets into touch with God and then anoints the second king. Here's what Samuel, you know, would have felt if only Samuel was gone. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have, if only Hannah didn't, you know, go before the Lord and cry out to him. If Hannah wouldn't have gone before the Lord and just like gave everything that she has to the Lord, we wouldn't have seen a prophet. We wouldn't have seen First Samuel and Second Samuel. We wouldn't have seen that that, that God, you know, uh, you know, performed so many miracles and the restoration of the kingdom of Israel would not have happened without Samuel, who was, you know, not just like. <coughs> excuse me. Not just uh, she was giving up her son to the kingdom, but she was giving something that God would take and multiply. <clears throat> the next character that I wanted to, this is why Abraham Lincoln, even the 16th president, when he looks at and one time and he was addressing, he says, no one is poor when they have godly mother, right, who prays, who gives back to the kingdom. In fact, there is a song by Celine Dion called A Mother's Prayer, and she sings like this about, you know, what the mothers do every day. 
and the song goes somewhere in the middle, I pray you will be my eyes. That's the cry of the mom. She is praying and asking God to be her eyes, right? And watch her. This is her daughter, where she goes. And help her to be wise. Help me to let go. Every mother's prayer, every child knows. Lead her to a place. Guide her with your grace to a place where she will be safe. So we saw how Hannah was investing back into the family, back into her prayer life, back into her, you know, kingdom principle of like a priority of keeping God in the center of her sons and daughters. Now, I want to take a look. I, I really wanted to land the plane at this point with a, the, a completely different mom, but God was just like a pushing this one mother's character into my mind for the last two days, and I just like a battled with it, and I was like, God, this is a, a Mother's Day message. I don't want to go there, but it, it was just so heavy in my heart, and so I'm going to jump into this mom named Rispa, Rispa, and you would see her story come up in Second Samuel. You will see her story show up in Second Samuel chapter 21. Who is Rispa? Right? She was a daughter of Aya, one of Saul's concubines. She's not even like a someone that Saul considered as a wife. Why would we talk about it on a Mother's Day, God, right? But here's the thing. After the death of Saul, right, according to the Bible, Abner uh, was accused of sleeping with the Rizpah. Abner is a Gibeonite, right? So there was a quarrel that just came between Saul's sons and the successor, Ishbosheth. Uh, Ish Ishbosheth. You can see all of these in Second Samuel. Um, Ishbosheth is in the, uh, the third chapter of Second Samuel. But the quarrel between the Abner, right? Uh, the faction, you know, just like a group, um, you know, between them and uh, Saul's sons. Right, and Abner goes and joins David, and uh, somewhere who is you know in the process, he just like it gets closer to the king of David, uh, King David, and he, the King David becomes the the united uh, kingdom of Israel's king, right? And then there was a moment in time that uh, there was a, a fast a, a, a huge famine that showed up. And uh, uh, in Jerusalem, in Israel, and, and uh, uh, David was inquiring uh, the prophets and the, the, the leaders of the church, asking, what is going on? What happened? Why is God punishing his own nation? And then they told, they meaning like uh, the priests told King David, this is because Saul's sons, they took 
a, a, a really a bloody uh, um, war against the Gibeonites, Ab, Abner's family, and uh, that, that what they did is that they just like uh, did so much torture and the, the whole thing uh, was just like a very unexplainable, right? And so David, you know, then says, okay, what will make it right? So they have done wrong things to these Gibeonites. And so there were seven sons of Saul and Saul's, um, you know, lineage was brought out and there were actually the Rizpah's son, her concubines. There were five of those uh, sons, and uh, Mephibosheth, and all these people were brought in, and David actually executes them and leaves them uh, in the, in the uh, sanctuary of Gibbet. Right? So here's the moral of the story. Right? These guys, um, Abner, Gibeonite, uh, you know, and his family was accused uh, of something that they did to Saul's concubine. And uh, because of which, Saul's sons goes and just like a murders and just made a, a bloodbath out of those Gibeonites. And David comes and cleans them out. And he hangs them outside the, the city. Here's what Rizpah did. Rizpah went... You can go to Second Samuel chapter 21. I'm not making any of these things up. This is all recorded in Second Samuel chapter 21. And the mom, after she saw her sons were, were sacrificed or killed and left outside the town, the verse 10 of Second Samuel chapter 21 says, This part, the daughter of Aya, took a sackcloth and spread it out for herself on a rock. From the beginning of the harvest till the rain poured down from the heaven on the bodies. She did not let the birds touch them by day or the wild animals by night. She stood there with those bodies for five months. She never let the birds touch nor the animals touch the corpse of that body. She stood there day and night. She never left them. You know why? Because she wanted David to just like uh, give dignity. She knew that what her son did was wrong, but she never would have given up on her son at that moment in time. She didn't want to give up on her sons, Even though what they did is wrong, the mom said, my son's death cannot be of this way. It has to be something that I want to see them uh, honored in the death. I don't want to let my sons die like this outside the town, hanging up on the tree. Can you imagine for five months, day and night, she stood there to just like a chase the birds and the animals. And what it reminds me is of all the moms 
that does this kind of an effort every single day. And what it reminded me is just of my own mother. The thing is that uh, when we lived in India, the house that we lived in was just like a one, one room, right? That one room itself is our kitchen. That one room is our bedroom. That one room is our living room. Just this one room in one corner, we had like a, you know, stove, and, and the things were just like, a, you know, food cooked in that place. And, and here is a woman who never, um, who never got educated in her life, who, who didn't have a job, abandoned by her husband, right? And in the midst of all the things that were going around, in fact, when I wrote a book called Are You Dancing in the Rain, I interviewed my mom in that book before that and asking her, what made her hold on to this six-month-old baby? And she said, it was tough. And she said that the pressure was so much that she would want to run into the water and kill herself. Because we live in a beach town in the Bay of Bengal, and there is this large beach that she would want to run and kill herself. But every time the water touched her feet, she would step back because the water reminded her of her son will be abandoned and become an orphan, and she would just like to come back home, right? And the one thing that throughout all of these things that were happening, my mom would tell me there's only one thing that she had told me when I was growing up. She said, don't let the world laugh at you. When will the world be laughing at you and me? Is when we have an, you know, when we live an, a not honorable life, when we live our life with, with so many flaws around us, the world will laugh at that person and say, look at this guy. Look what he's doing. And she kept saying throughout her life, all she wanted in her life, in the middle of her husband abandoning her, in the middle of nothing that she had, she was telling her son, don't let the world laugh at you. She wanted her son to be taken seriously. She wanted her son to live a life that's honorable. That's been the cry of many, 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 many mothers that are out there. They want to see their children not be abandoned. They want to see their children's life restored. Even when they make a mistake, there are so many mothers crying underneath saying, help my son, help my daughter, help Father God, send the rope and help. And the God of this universe is so good in helping every one of these mothers call. And he throws the rope from heaven to hold on to their sons and daughters because of their moms. The rope that was coming down for me was from this lady named Annie and Graham in Australia. They were sending $30, $35 all the way to India. 
to this house where the kitchen and the living room and the 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 dining area and the bedroom everything is just like a packed into one room god heard the cry of my mom and he sent the angels to serve supply the needs so that one day her son will become a senior vice president at bank of america it's because of moms like her because of moms like rispa because of the moms that are out there listening to this voice in this line because of the moms who sacrifices we see that the world become a better place the characteristic that the moms do is to see honor restored in their sons and daughters life they sacrifice and that's what Kevin Durant is talking about that's what i'm talking about i'm hoping and praying that one day all these children that we are serving in proverbs 26 will talk about like this about their mom i like i said you know these are just not only characteristics of mom these are characteristics of the people living in the kingdom not give up on the family not give up on the God in prayer and not give up on the kingdom of God and not give up on the dignity and honor may the good lord bless you this morning abundantly with all the things that you have put for your sons and daughters and your family will be multiplied just like how God multiplied the fish and the bread God will multiply every sacrifice and he will wipe away every tear and he will restore every life and this is the day that God is telling you I have heard your cry and I will wipe every tears brother Vince thank you brother Ciro for this message on mother's day about Hannah and Rispa the characteristics as as Ciro said how Hannah invested in her family and it's not okay to give up on your marriage your children your dreams and many of these moms on the line today have not given up on their marriage or children and their dreams but it's easy to do it's hard not to as she stayed committed to her family despite what God did to her womb is impressive and honorable she invested her life in prayer in bitterness of soul she prayed to the lord and wept in anguish bitterness of soul and wept in anguish do we pray like that do we pray like hannah do we petition the lord like that and when we do do we let god handle the problem or do we want to take it back she invested in the kingdom of god when we give back to god and his kingdom god will multiply it and make it grow and flourish not just for a day but for generations afterwards just like he did with samuel and rispa may seem like a small you know small story in second samuel where she's mentioned a couple times 
but wow, the impact he had. The examples he set, the sacrifice he had for her fallen children, staying with them so the bodies won't be defiled for five months. Don't let the world laugh at you, as Cyril's mom said. Don't let the world laugh at you when you're doing things for for the kingdom or for God and see honor restored in their life. Thank you, moms, for holding your families together. Thank you for honoring God and setting the example for all your families. Amen. Sarah. Amen. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, rebellion, or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. We know that we are your beloved children, having received you into our hearts and lives, and having accepted your death as penalty for our sinfulness. The price you paid covers us for all time, and our desire is to live for you. As we take the bread representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who will receive you. Thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gave us life, abundant life now and eternal life forever. We receive this bread in remembrance of you. And in the same way, we take this cup representing your blood poured out from a splinted cross. You are the supreme sacrifice for all of our sin, past, present, and future. Today, we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood you spill. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 As we celebrate the, the death and resurrection of our Savior. But just as Sarah said, this is a moment for us to just like a give back to the Lord. Everything that we have, just like a Hannah did, in remembrance of what he did for you and me. Just as what we saw today, the nurturingness, the gentleness, and the guiding, and the, and the compassion that the moms show every single day. God says, you know, that's exactly what I did for you and your children. And this morning, as we go into celebrating, as we go into remembering the night before when Jesus was crucified, he took the bread and he gave, he broke it, and he said to his disciples, take, eat this, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Go ahead and take the bread. In the same way, he took the cup when he had given thanks and gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of covenant, 
which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. Let's take this drink in remembering that once and for all, he died on that cross to take away every one of our sins. Praise the Lord. Father, we come before your throne of grace one more time this morning. Remembering, Father God, all the sacrifices that you did on that rugged cross. And how your blood is still speaking to us in a still voice every single time through our mothers, Father God. You, you left us with someone who can actually remind us every single day of who you are and what you have done. God, I pray for every one of these moms that are in this line today morning. God, we pray that, Father God, the conference restore, has been unmuted. Restore the relationship this morning, Father God, for everyone that is on this line. Father God, restore the dreams. Restore the businesses. Restore the life. Father God, if there is a mom out there in this line crying out this morning for her son or daughter, Father God, we join hands with her this morning, Father God. Hallelujah. God, the Bible says you are the one, Father God, who will restore and repair. Father God, you are the one who restores the streets, Father God, today morning. I pray, Father God, very specially for Miss Willie May and her family, Father God, that you will, Father God, restore in them a special new strength in their bodies this morning, Father God, that knowing that we are, Father God, as one family standing before you this morning. God, we, we will, Father God, hang on to the hem of your garment. Father God, we pray that you will, Father God, extend your rope from heaven upon every one of us and our families, Father God, this morning. God, bless every mom that is on this line. Bless every mom that is crying out there today morning, Father God. Bless every mom who wetted their pillows last night. Thank you, Lord. God, we may not be able to know everything that everybody goes through, but you do, Father God. Give them, Father God, the peace and restore their lives, Father God. Restore the Mm -hmm. dreams one more time this morning, Father God. Restore the businesses. Mm -hmm. Restore the finances of the people that are struggling this morning. Thank you, Lord. Lord. God, we surrender ourselves. Father God, into your mighty hands, God, we take our glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray, Father, for your glory. Amen. Amen. Amen Amen. and amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. This is uh, Sonia Grant. I'd like to say something. Sure. Okay. Um, Happy Mother's Day, everyone, and... um, Happy Mother's Day, especially to my mother, Freddie Grant. Uh, Mom, I, I owe you all that I am, and I thank you for always praying for me and for inspiring me every day 
and for uh, being my best friend. And because it's such a special day, this is the first time you'll ever hear me say this, it turns out that you were right about everything. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything you've done for me, and um, I hope to see you one day real soon. Um, I haven't seen you since September 2019. It's not like I live out of the country somewhere. I'm just eight hours away, and I hope you can open up your home again for your family um, to come and, and love on you. Thank you. I love you, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much. Oh, that was sweet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm in tears. tears. I'm in tears. <laughs> I'm in tears. So am I. I'm, like, I'm crying. Oh, praise the Lord. I want to see my mom. I mean, I see her um, on video, but, I mean, two years, that's crazy. So <laughs> why? She you has know. her shot. She has her shot, so you can come I on. I have mine too. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so you can you can come on. You just gotta keep your mask on as you travel. Yes, yes, yes. You can yes. come on. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Lead. So. Yes. Thank you. And Freddie, you were right. Isn't that wonderful? No, you were right. That's the first time you hear me say that. That's the first and only. That's what every mother wants to hear. To hear. You were right. Amen. Huh? I remember I told my mother like two years after my daughter was born. Uh-huh. I had said something to my daughter, and it was like, that's my mother. I had to call my mom, and I said, Mom, I opened my mouth, and you came out. Oh, right. 